Hello, welcome to Dungeon Delving. I'm Brandon Wagner, and today I'm continuing my series on goblinoids with the hobgoblins. I'm personally really excited for this episode because I think hobgoblins are cool as hell. <laughs> Unlike goblins and bugbears, who are more nuisance or pests than anything else, hobgoblins are powerful monsters. Hobgoblins are the only lawful goblinoids, and they uh, they show it through their society. Before we dig into that, let's talk about the five different hobgoblin varieties you have between the Monster Manual and Volos Guide. Uh, so the Monster Manual has your hob normal hobgoblin rank and file soldier, uh, CR one half monster. Uh, they have a feature called Martial Advantage, which lets them deal extra D six of damage. Um, when they hit a creature with a weapon attack, if that creature is in five feet of an ally of the hobgoblin that isn't incapacitated. So, uh, hobgoblins, hobgoblin captains, and the hobgoblin warlord in the monster manual all have this, uh, feature. Um, the, uh, spellcaster version of the hobgoblin, the devastator found in Volo's guide, has a uh, version of this feature that works with their spells, allowing them to deal extra damage. So hobgoblins, just by that first aspect of their stat block, are a creature that is going to want to gang up on people. They are going to work together in units and strategize. And that's another thing that separates them from goblins and bugbears. Well, goblins and bugbears have strategies. They're crafty. They're not unintelligent. They are... Nothing compared to hobgoblins, who are masters of combat and tactics. The hobgoblin captain has that martial advantage ability, offering 3d6, whereas the normal hobgoblin gets only uh, 2d6. And then they have a feature called leadership, which lets them lets creatures within 30 feet that are allies of the hobgoblin add 1d4 to attack rolls and saving throws, once per uh, one one thing at a time for a full minute allowing them to basically bolster their abilities. The Hobgoblin Warlord also has that leadership ability, but then also has a 4d6 for its uh, martial advantage feature, and it can use a reaction to add 3 to its AC against a melee attack, and uh, that would hit it. So if an attack would hit it, it can use its reaction to increase its AC, and if it's close enough to... To it, you can turn a hit into a miss with the Hobgoblin Warlord, which is a uh, CR6 creature. The two varieties of Hobgoblin in Volo's Guide are the Devastator, which is a CR4 Spellcaster Hobgoblin. Um, They have Arcane Advantage, letting them add 2d6 to damaging spells. They have Army Arcana, which lets them... uh, Excuse me. When they cast a spell that causes damage or forces another creature to make a saving throw, they can choose itself and any number of allies to be immune to that. So it's the, uh, I believe it's the Evocation Wizard has a feature that lets it do that. So it's kind of like that. It has a few, a handful of spells up to four, going up to fourth level. Uh, you know, Firebolt, Ray of Frost, Magic Missile, Fog, Cloud, Fireball, Ice Storm, just a variety of offensive spells. They're evocation wizards, and they're going to throw elemental damage at things. And then we have the Iron Shadow, which is a Hobgoblin Monk. They uh, they have 
a few cantrips that they can use. They have an unarmored defense uh, feature, which can buff their armor class a little bit if they're not wearing armor, basically. And then uh, they make mul- they have multiple. Excuse me, they have more attacks with their multi attack than the other hobgoblins, and they can teleport. Um, up to 30 feet into an unoccupied space if the space it's leaving and its destination are both in dim light or darkness. So they're kind of uh, way of the shadow monks. Uh, so using your hobgoblins in a encounter, a combat encounter, is a great opportunity for you to employ monsters that use tactics and will react to the way your players act. The only thing in uh, the monster manual that it notes as kind of a weakness when it comes to the Hobgoblin's martial intelligence is they hate elves, and they will kill them first, pretty much always, even when it's not the right decision tactically, which seems to me almost weird because in any other instance, they are very, very intelligent, very uh, tactically sound militaristic creatures. So having them have this flaw where they just hate elves so much that they'll lose that entire aspect of their being to kill the elves first, to me, just seems silly. And I might ignore that if I was playing hobgoblins or using hobgoblins in my campaign. But I might, I also might not. I might use it as an opportunity for to give my players a way to press advantage. That's probably a mechanical aspect to this feature of hobgoblin lore where... Your players can go, oh, hey, they're going to go for the elf first. We can use that to our advantage. Hobgoblins society is all about controlling land and conquering. So they'll, they'll set up bases near um, on the fringes of other civilizations so they can take slaves. They'll be in mines or in forests where they have access to ores and wood for building their machines of war. And then they just start expanding their territory and conquering. And that's their whole shtick is they are conquering creatures. Um, The conquering host is something that's mentioned in Volo's Guide. And that's what next week's episode is going to be about. And that is when hobgoblins get signs from the gods that they need to go to war. So they gather bugbears and goblins and they become, they take their military uh, conquering aspects of their society and just double down on it, triple down on it. But um, So we'll focus more on that aspect of their society later. But because hobgoblins are creatures that try to control large areas of land, I feel like they are a creature that if you're using them in a more default D&D lore way, they demand to be important you can't just throw hobgoblins into your world and have them have no impact they're have them just be there with no impact i should say because hobgoblins strive to control territory take slaves expand territory you almost have to have if even if they're not a focal point of your adventure if you're putting them in your world then that is a part of the world that has consequences 
that come from the hobgoblins being there. So let's say I did, I used I had hobgoblins in one of my adventures that I ran. My players never encountered them, but they were mentioned enough, and the fact that they exist in the world did have an impact. So in my game, the area of the world where the hobgoblins lived was near the frontier of human civilization, and it was generally a, yeah, when we hunt, we don't go west, because if we go west too far, we end up in hobgoblin territory, and people that go there never come back. And that's basically how you should do it, how I think you should do it with hobgoblins. If you're going to have hobgoblins control an area of territory, it needs to be a place where normal people don't go. They say, hey, if you are traveling in that direction and you see this landmark, you need to turn away because you're about to enter hobgoblin territory and their scouts will find you and they'll take you out. Going Traveling into purposefully or through hobgoblin territory gives your players some opportunities to interact with this militaristic race in a few different ways you know your players are traveling and they encounter a hobgoblin uh scout crew so you have a captain and a handful of normal hobgoblins so now traveling through this land if they let any of them escape then maybe there's more hobgoblins looking for them Maybe there's more of them, they're just on alert if the players are trying to sneak into their territory to go to a specific place or to go specifically to the Hobgoblin stronghold and get something out of it. It becomes a priority for your party to not get caught, and if they do get caught, to not leave any survivors. Um, Hobgoblins, militaristic, strategizing, intelligent design means that their very territory is going to have, you know, it's going to have roads, it's going to have ambush points, it's going to have uh, places for guards to watch and get onto high ground. So having your players travel into goblin, hobgoblin territory means that you have this opportunity to give your player to make the very act of traveling across the overworld, if you will, into more of a adventure. It's almost like a crawl because you're always avoiding these things. The Hobgoblin Fortress is a phenomenal way to have a strong, well-managed military fortress as a dungeon. And I think it could be a very cool dungeon. You know, your your players sneak into the Hobgoblin Fortress through a sewer or something like that. You know, there's a, a drainage pipe that the hobgoblins built and that's how you sneak in or an old way into the an old back way into the mines that the hobgoblins have taken over and started using again and then your players are traveling through this hobgoblin fortress trying to avoid making too much attention but dealing with individual patrols you know groups of hobgoblins that are on guard duty uh they find a bunk room and you know they get caught or something. They have to wait. They wake them up and they have to fight. But having a a fortress that isn't just oh, it's an old decommissioned fort with some bandits in it, but no, it's an old decommissioned fort with hobgoblins in it that have rebuilt it essentially and are using it as their base of operations is, I think, a really great idea for a dungeon. Um, 
having a hobgoblin territory in your world and gives you an opportunity to DM to build up to something. So hobgoblins aren't pushovers. I mean, hobgoblin warlords are CR6, so they're not terribly difficult. But the thing about them is you're never going to fight them alone. It's never going to be the single hobgoblin warlord against your party of four or five players by itself. It's going to have other hobgoblins with it. You definitely have opportunities through the fact that hobgoblins are honorable. In Volo's Guide, it delves pretty deep into how hobgoblins have a strict code of martial honor that they follow. And so it's very reminiscent of like samurai or Spartans. And weaving that into their culture can make for interesting encounters where, you know, your your samurai, your fighter samurai enters into a one-on-one duel with the hobgoblin warlord while the rest of the party does something else around the hobgoblin fortress. You know, they're, they're trying to deactivate a magic bomb or something, and they're confronted by the hobgoblin warlord. So the samurai stays and fights them while the rest of the party goes and deals with the magic bomb, something like that. Putting a hobgoblin fortress and thus hobgoblin territory into your world gives you an opportunity to eventually build into it. So let's say your DMing style for a campaign world is much more adventure of the week. Um, You know, your individual adventures that your party goes on will only last two or three sessions and the world just kind of builds organically as they play and the world changes to it. Having said, oh yes, in this part of the world, there's a hobgoblin fortress. So that surrounding area is hobgoblin territory. Don't go there. Your players might listen and not go there because they know hobgoblins are dangerous. But that gives you the opportunity to, as well as your players are off doing their own adventures, impose upon your players that the world is still happening in the areas where they aren't. So that's something I've mentioned before where you have your have like you know word of your players deeds travel around so that when your players come to a town they've never been to people have heard of them you know um and you show the players that the world is living and breathing and stuff is happening outside of their scope so the things the players are directly seeing and manipulating are having consequences or maybe they're not having consequences there's just stuff happening in the world as the players are going on their adventures that has fuck all to do with the with the party until it does and you can do that with hobgoblins you know when you start describing this is what this region looks like this is your common knowledge that your characters would have just from knowing about this region and coming to it and this part of the region is where the hobgoblins live and it's their territory and for the last 30 years it's been fine and then so as your players are adventuring you start to you know after a couple levels in it's oh there was a skirmish between uh the kingdom's patrols and the hobgoblin patrols and then a couple levels later it's the players come upon a village that has been burned and destroyed by the hobgoblins that are on the move um and then, you know, a couple levels later, now it's the goblin, the hobgoblins are invading. Whether it's just hobgoblins or you're using a conquering host of multiple goblinoids, which we'll touch on next week. 
it you have that opportunity to have this be a a conflict in the world that the players aren't directly invested in but they hear about you know the more it, it gives you a great opportunity to role play your taverns you know your players like hey let's listen and come up with some rumors and that's a rumor that they hear is oh the hobgoblins have uh, there was a skirmish between our our soldiers and hobgoblin soldiers they come back to the town after going on an adventure and it's oh uh, a village was attacked by by hobgoblins and so there's this conflict in the world that the players don't have a direct hand in and or you know what the players probably don't even have an indirect hand in it it's just happening in the world but now they have to take action now it's gotten to the point where oh the hobgoblins are really moving around and they're dangerous so now the players need to take action or maybe because the players have made or maybe this is a conflict that's been going on for a while you know your players are like i could almost have a whole campaign just on hobgoblins so the the kingdom neighbors hobgoblin territory so a lot of the um able to fight adults have been taken away to go to the front lines and stop hobgoblins from invading so now your players have become folk heroes you know they're not soldiers but they're the ones that are traveling to a village and like oh there's a, a a bear has been attacking people near our village and all the adults that are able to fight are gone in the hobgoblin war so then your players stand in and take care of that they become those problem solvers because of the proximity of a hobgoblin fortress and as they travel around the land helping people and taking care of the things that would normally be taken care of by the guards who are now conscripted soldiers in the Hobgoblin Wars, eventually they get the king or queen's attention. And they're like, hey, you group of adventurers, you've been taking care of the kingdom while all the soldiers are off fighting the Hobgoblins. Now help the soldiers fight the Hobgoblins. So it becomes their problem later on. <sighs> um... I feel like a lot of what I want to keep delving into with these is something I want to save for next week with the conquering host. So let's change gears and talk about Hobgoblin player characters because Volo's Guide gives us a stat block for playing as a Hobgoblin. Uh, so literally, first off, you have the um, plus two constitution, plus one intelligence, which is an interesting pair of... Uh, abilities to get because intelligence is a woefully underused and constitution is always good <laughs> you know a little extra constitution is always great two plus two extra constitution is phenomenal because that is going to affect your hit points it's going to affect there's constitution saving throws happen fairly often but it's a great uh it's it's not a bad pair of uh scores that have increased it's an interesting one though at least in my opinion you know dark vision 30 foot movement speed nothing phenomenal they have a martial training feature which gives them two extra martial weapon proficiencies and light armor proficiency you have a feature called saving face which is really interesting their hobgoblins are careful not to show weakness in front of their allies for fear of losing status. 
if you miss with an attack roll or fail an ability check or saving throw, you gain a bonus to the roll equal to the maximum number of allies that can see you to a maximum of plus five. Once you use this trait, you can't use it again. So, or you can't use it again for a long rest. Or no, that's a short rest trait. My bad. So, that feature is A, pretty cool, and B, a mechanical feature that can very easily tie into your character's personality. If you're playing a hobgoblin who's left the evil society of hobgoblins, but you've kept that um, honor and I need to look good in order to gain respect aspect of hobgoblin society. So you, you've shunned the evil, but you've kept kind of the rigorous militaristic aspects of that society. So I really like the idea of playing a hobgoblin as a samurai or really any fighter um, or a wizard. Um, I also kind of really like the idea of a hobgoblin uh, warlock. I don't really know why that's calling to me so much, but it is. Um, excuse me. The, uh, the new artificer class. Uh, one of them makes a magical war machine. Or like a cannon, I think. That would be a pretty cool... And they use intelligence, so that would be a really cool uh, hobgoblin character. You know, this, this hobgoblin war mechanic that has left hobgoblin society to go not be evil in the world. But having your character have this this personality of, I am very paranoid and I, about looking good in front of my friends, and I need to, you know, and having that code of honor that military code of honor that the hobgoblins have and sticking to that really strongly. Um, I think that's all I've got for hobgoblins. Like I said, I really like hobgoblins. I think they're really interesting. I think putting them into your world absolutely demands that they have, that that, let me, let me start over. Sorry. I kind of got tongue tied there. (laughs) I think that putting hobgoblins into your world absolutely demands that they have consequences. You can't, they're not a race that I would ever just put into the world and be like, yeah, there's hobgoblins, whatever. If there's hobgoblins, where they are and where they live means something to the people who live around where they live because they're scary. They like to take stuff from other people and they don't do it in the sneaky thieving way of bugbears or the kind of annoying way of goblins. They're dangerous, very dangerous, and they need to be respected by the people, the normal people living in the surrounding areas. Um, Next week is the last Goblinoid episode, The Conquering Host. Um, If you're confused about what that means, in Volo's Guide, there it talks about signs from the gods leading to hobgoblins gathering multiple legions, which are like different tribes, together and working together and gathering up bugbears and goblins because the signs from their gods have meant we need to go to war. And when the conquering host is formed, they start conquering more and more and more territory and they don't stop until they control everything or they're defeated. So uh, we'll talk about that next week. And the conquering host, having a conquering host is very much a springboard for an adventure or for a short campaign or maybe a long campaign. You could absolutely have it be a very much a long-term thing. But 
Again, we'll dig into that next week with the last episode on Goblinoids, The Conquering Host. That's all I've got for today. See you guys next week. Keep on delving.